Well, that's so true. Amen. Amen. I want you to take your Bibles today. Turn with me to Nehemiah chapter number 8. Nehemiah chapter number 8. Well, we've had some great services this morning. Great services. Might need to hook me back up. I think I pulled loose. Nehemiah chapter 8. We are going to talk about a revival that took place in the Old Testament. How many of y'all believe America needs revival? It's not going to take place in the state house. It's not going to take place in the white. If you're waiting for November to have revival, you, you're wasting your time. It's going to have to take place in the church house. Because the only place that's going to, and only thing that's going to change America is the church. The church will change the community. The community will change the country. Amen. And, and we, are, we are planning our, our fall revival in, in three weeks. Three weeks we're going to have we're going to kick off a revival like you've never seen before. You've never experienced it. You've never had one like this. It's going to be totally different than we've ever done it. But I'm telling you, I believe it's ordained by God. Just because of what God has given me to preach today, I believe we are right on track with what God wants us to do. So I want you all to be praying about it. I need you all to be really focusing on it. And uh, we're going to ask you to do some things in preparation for the revival. We're not going to wait till that day gets here. We're going to be working on it up till then. Amen? And, and, and we're going to have a great experience today, I'm telling you. Uh, matter of fact, this is so simple. This message is so simple, you're going to think it's oversimplified. I told him in the second service, you're probably going to want change back from what you gave, amen? Or what you're going to get. It's simple. It's the simplest thing that I've ever seen. And I'm, I'm like, wow, Lord, this is, uh, give me some more stuff. He said, you don't need no more stuff. That's it. What's in that chapter is what it's going to take to bring revival to this church, to bring revival to our own personal hearts, to bring revival to our country. It's all right there. How many of y'all like things simple? I like one, two, or three on the value meal. Say amen. I like, I like things put together already that I don't need instruction for. Amen? This is it. This is revival simplified. Amen? Let's look. Nehemiah chapter number 8. Nehemiah chapter number 8. In verse number 1. Nehemiah 8 verse number 1. And all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the water gate. And they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses. Which the Lord had commanded to Israel. And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation both of men and women. And all that could hear with understanding. Upon the first day of the seventh month. In other words their new year. It was the Jewish equivalent of the new year. They wanted to kick the new year off right. And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from the morning until midday. Don't ever again say I'm long-winded. Say amen. I'm talking about from the early morning to midday, this dude kept it up. Amen. He was preaching. He was teaching. He was going that far reading the word. And the Bible says, the Bible says, before the men and women and those that could understand, and the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit of wood, which, which just means simply a, a raised platform, which they had made for the purpose. And beside him stood several individuals. Now, I tried my best to go through all those names. I even had my iPhone with the Bible on my iPhone. Listen to them several, several times, but I'm not even going to attempt it. You can call them whatever you want to call them. Say amen. This was the teaching committee. That's what we're going to call them today. Amen. Well, these guys, they were several individuals that, that, that uh, Nehemiah and Ezra had with them to help them bring forth and teach what was being read and explain what was being read. So verse 5, And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, 
For he was above all the people, and when he opened it, what did the people do? Do you realize they stood listening to the word of God from morning till midday? They stood in reverence of the word of God. Are y'all with me? And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, with lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. And then several gentlemen caused the people to understand the law, and the people stood in their place. Now let's all read verse number 8 together. So they read in the book in the law of God distinctly, and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for true worship. Thank you for a spirit in this place that we are desperately in need of. God, I pray that you'll let me say everything I'm supposed to. Don't let me forget anything I'm not supposed, I'm not supposed to forget. Lord, help me to remember. And Lord, help me not to be in the flesh. Help me not to be carnal. Help me not to say anything that's wrong or out of the way. And God, we'll thank you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. I, I, just to kind of bring you up, up to, to speed on this particular chapter in Nehemiah. Nehemiah is the political leader, if you will, uh, and he has brought in Ezra, the scribe, Ezra the prophet there, to come and read the Word of God, to bring the Word of God. Now, here's where we're at. This, is, this is really will help you understand the significance of this chapter. The nation of Israel, the nation of Israel, God brought them out of Egypt. I mean, let's go all the way back. Let's go all the way back uh, to when they were slaves. They were slaves. They were a group of people. A group of people in, in Egypt, they were slaves, they were in bondage, uh, they had taskmasters over them, and they, listen, they were just in a bad way. God in heaven looked down at their condition, looked down at their situation, and sent a man by the name of Moses, and Moses led them out with a powerful arm. God delivered the nation of Israel out of bondage, delivered them out of slavery, delivered them out of their difficult situation that they were in, brought them across the Red Sea, y'all know the story, through the wilderness, protected them, provided for them, gave them everything they need, guided and directed them. And when they got to the promised land, God brought them over and gave them victory. God, listen, fought the battles for them. God gave them everything they needed, and this is what he said. As long as you follow me, as long as you fulfill my command, as long as you follow the law, I will bless them that bless you, and I will curse them that curse you. I will make sure blessings fall upon you, and I will keep the curses off of you. In other words, you're going to have my favor, you're going to have my blessings, you're going to have everything that you need in life. And God did. But guess what? They forgot God. The Bible says the generation after Joshua and Caleb died and the leaders with him that the Bible says there arose another generation who knew not the Lord neither the works that he has done they turned their back on God and they forgot the hand of God they forgot the blessings of God and they went against the law of God and because of that God punished them and God brought foreign invaders to come in and take over and they took them captive into Babylon. Now, I don't know if you noticed it or not, but there are foreign people coming into our country taking over. You go to the gas stations, you go into hotels and motels, everywhere you want to go, it's, it's happening. China owns us. You can believe that. It is happening. I believe with all of my heart that America is under the judgmental hand of God. 
And in this story, the nation of Israel was taken captive as slaves again in Babylon. Listen, until they made things right, got right with God, God said, I'm going to give you another chance. Aren't you glad he's a second chance God? Listen, now this remnant of people led by Nehemiah, they are coming back to a a city in shambles, a city in in ruins, and they begin to build the wall. And they start putting up the gates, and they start rebuilding, and they're going after him. From Nehemiah 1 to Nehemiah 8, they get all of the material needs that the, the city had in mind. They had all of that taken care of. The wall was built. The gates were hung. I mean, on the outside, everything looked right. But Nehemiah says, there's another thing we're going to have to do. We may have the material needs met, but it's time to fix the spiritual needs. And I'm telling you, we are living in a time, we're living in an hour where the spiritual needs of our country are in desperate need of revival. Our country needs revival. Our country needs revival. Our country needs revival. Our communities need revival. But community and the country will never see revival till our churches see revival. And we need God to move. We need God to touch. Man, I want to see it so desperately. And we have a great church. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying there's anything. uh, We have a great church. And the power of God is in this place. And the presence of God is in this place. And God is moving. But I'm telling you, I want to be like Elisha. I want a double portion. I want more than what we have now. I want to see God's hand more powerful than it ever is. I want, listen, I want if something was to happen to Temple Baptist Church, everybody would know we were gone. I read a statement before I come in here this morning. If your church disappeared, would the, would the community know? Are we making a significant dent and a significant impact in our, com- our, our community by the influence that we have, by what we are doing, that they would know we're gone? Say amen. I want to see that, and we are seeing that, but I want to see it even more. I don't want to get so stagnated and so, listen, in a plateaued place in our life, I don't ever want to be satisfied where we are. Amen? Revival. It's not complicated. As I was reading this chapter, I I was like, Lord, i got to have some more stuff. Give me some stuff. I need to dazzle them with stuff. He said, you don't need to do anything but just preach the book. Because it's all here. It's not complicated. It's not complicated. Ladies and gentlemen, we make it complicated. We make it complicated. Listen, God God is not complicated. His book is not complicated. We make it complicated. Revival is simple. Say it with me. Revival is, say it again. Revival is simple. Now, let me give you three things. It's as simple as this. Three things. First, I want to show you the program. Then I want to show you the people. Then I want to show you the product. What took place in this revival meeting? What took place in this revival service? First, the program. What did they do? What did they do? We think, we think that we have to go get a, a, a and we, we are, we have a singing group coming in, not because you have to have it, because we like it. And they, they, they minister to us, and we enjoy their singing. And, uh, and they're going to come, and we're going to have a blessing. It's going to be a wonderful thing. But that's not the secret to revival. Listen, it's not a fancy evangelist. You don't have to have a fancy evangelist, even though we like them, even though we like to hear a different voice, even though we like guests to come in, and I enjoy that. I'm telling you, when I go, when I, when I go on a trip, when I go on a trip, I will, I will, uh, I, I will take my iPhone, I'll, <coughs> excuse me, I'll put those earbuds in there, and I'll listen to preaching all the time. I love that kind of thing, but you don't have to have that to have revival. You know what God said to do? Watch what it says in, Acts, in, 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 in chapter number 8, Nehemiah 8, verse 1. 
And they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book. You know what the secret to revival is? You know what the secret to having what you are desiring in your life and in your family and in your walk with God? Bring the book. The focus of the revival program was not singing. It was not a guest speaker. It was not a new book. It was not a, it was not a new plan. It was simply bring the book. Frenchman Victor Hugo said this a long, long time ago. He said, England has two books, Shakespeare and the Bible. England has made Shakespeare, but the Bible has made England. The Word of God, that's the secret. It's not, it's not difficult. The Bible says there is power in this book. The Word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. If you have a problem, the answer's here. If you have a need, the answer's here. If there's something in your life you need God to do for you, the answer's right here. Bring the book. Paul said this. Paul said this. There's going to come a time when people shall heap upon themselves teachers having itching ears. In other words, just tell me what I want to hear. Don't tell me that I'm doing wrong. Don't tell me I'm in a backslidden state. Just tell me what I want to hear. But he said, son, here's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to rear back, get you a good lungs full of fresh air, and preach the word. Preach it when they like it. Preach it when they don't. Preach the word when it's in season. Preach the word when it's out of season. Preach the word no matter what's going on out in the culture, no matter if it's politically correct or not. Just preach the word. What will bring revival in our church and in our country, in our communities, is bring the book. Not your opinions. Not your ideas. Not your theory. It's blowing my mind how many people are getting on TV and they're promoting their book and not the Bible. We're going to be teaching out of the book I wrote. I don't want to read the book you wrote. I want to read the book God wrote. God's Word is power. We need to get back to the book. There's a lot of people arguing over it, arguing which one to read. They're arguing over it. They're talking about it. They're preaching all about it. They just ain't preaching it. Bring the book the book amen that's the that's the focus of the program but then the function of the program here's a key and get this don't let no distract don't let no distract you focused on me the key to this is found in several words that i found in chapter eight now now you need to participate so the louder y'all are the quicker i am Y'all with me? If y'all want to hurry and get to Ryan's, get loud. Amen? Here we go. And Ezra the priest brought the law. Now, now, when I stop, that's when you start. That's how this works, all right? Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both of men and women, and all that could hear with understanding. And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate, from the morning unto midday, before the men and the women, and those that could understand now watch this watch this we got another verse it says over here in chapter 7 or verse 7 all those fellas that was helping him they caused the people to now watch this let's all read the whole the whole verse together verse number 8 so they read in the book in the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading you know what I believe I believe it's not I believe the book is not the problem. 
I believe we're shooting over people's heads. There's preachers all over America that's got more degrees than a thermometer, but they ain't got no temperature. And I don't care how much you know, if you can't put it on the shelf where I can reach it, it ain't helping me. Don't you love it when people tell you something at the doctor's office and they spend 15 minutes tell you what's wrong and you say, can you translate that to English, please? Y'all know what I'm talking about? It happens, uh, it happens here all the time. I'm, I'm in there, and Clayton or Dustin or one of them be in there, and they'll start talking computer jive and talking language, and they got their own dialect, and they're all in a foreign language speaking an unknown tongue. Amen. Well, I say, well, preacher, here's your problem right here. I said, stop. Just, just stop. I don't understand a word you're saying. I don't have no idea what your modem is. Amen. You cannot help me. Now, that's not what happened in churches today. They want, <laughs> I, I'm not even going to go there, but the point is, it's not going to help us unless we understand it. Well, you're just not a deep preacher. No, but the people that say that just like to leave confused. That's it. If I can sound confusing, that means deep. That's not deep. That's not deep. That's confusing. Clear. They caused them to understand it. When they left, they could understand everything. They described and they taught them and gave them exactly what he was reading up there in detail. Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. If all you're getting, and I need you to understand this, if all you're getting is Sunday morning, you're not getting enough. You need to study the Word of God. Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. On Wednesday night, on Wednesday night, we take the Word of God verse by verse, and I'm doing just what them fellas did in this chapter. And I'm explaining it in detail in such a way anybody sitting in this auditorium can understand it. They can understand it. Now, you say, preacher, is it, is it mandatory? Is there a verse in the Bible that says I need to be here on Wednesday night? There kind of is. There kind of is. You say, what do you mean kind of is? It, here's the deal. If you are studying on your own, and you are dissecting the Word of God, and you're dividing it, and you're feeding on the Word of God on your own, then stay home. If you are not, you need to be here. As simple as that. Because you need the Word of God. You need to feed on the Word of God. Because I'm telling you, it is critical that we know the book. The Bible says my people are destroyed for a lack of what? And it ain't knowledge of Newsweek or Time Magazine. He's talking about the Word of God. Now, if you're a Bible expert, stay home. If you're not, come join us and let's learn together. Are y'all with me? You need to know it because there's power in this Word. Well, you said the truth, If you, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. It can't make you free unless you know it. And what brought true revival is that they brought the book and they help them understand it it's going to be very difficult to do what you don't understand but when you do understand it that's where the power comes church say amen program simple bring the book it's the book it's all in the book let's get back to the then the people now I promise you this I promise you this we're making a commitment. We're making a commitment to bring the book in a way that you can understand it. 
to teach it in a way. On Wednesday night, in, in, in the, the team down, the, the, the Temple Student Ministries down there, the kids in the back, we're wanting to put it in a way that they could um, comprehend it and understand it. But you've got a job to do too. I spend a lot of time, I spend a lot of time, I, the biggest majority of my time is, is getting the word dissected to the point that the youngest person in here can understand. I spend a lot of time doing that. Uh, the time I spend is not getting a message, it's getting a message and putting it in a way that everybody can understand it. That's where the majority of the time comes. But here's the deal. I don't care how long I spend or how long I study or how long I prepare or how long I spend trying to get something and put it here if you don't come with the right attitude to get it. Here, let's look at the people. What was the first thing? Number one, we see the... Everybody, come on, say it with me. We see the... Now watch the people. Watch what their response was. Watch what their response was. This is great. The Bible says in verse number in verse number three, verse number three, if, you, if you're there, say amen. And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from the morning until midday, before the men and the women and those that could understand. Now watch this. And the ears of all the people were attentive under the book of the law. They were all paying attention. Now watch this. Verse number five. Verse number five. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And it just means he was raised on a, a raised platform. It doesn't mean he was better than anybody else. It means he was on a raised platform. And when he opened it, all the people did what? So first, they're paying close attention. But then when the word of God is read, they stood up and they honored it. Now watch this. Watch this. Your church experience will drastically change if your attitude toward the word of God changes. It will, it will go from a church activity to a worship experience. Now, here's the thing. This is what's got to happen. If you are paying attention to the word instead of reminiscing about what happened in the ball game last night, there's some in here crying over what happened last night. I got mine done yesterday afternoon, amen. Some are shouting in joy and can't. The word of God, listen, is not even a priority. Some are wondering if they're going to get out in time to beat the Methodists to the diner. Say amen. Some are wondering, I wonder who's going to win the race today. Some are wondering, boy, I wonder what I can do tomorrow on my holiday. Some are wondering when he's going to shut up so we can go. But I wonder how many came like they did in Thessalonica. Where the Bible says in Thessalonica, this is how they received the word of God. 1 Thessalonians 2.13, for this cause also thank we God without ceasing. Because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you and believe. I wonder how many came through those doors, whatever door you come in this building, with the intent and the expectation that God's fixing to talk to me. I'm not going to be entertained. I'm not going to hear a religious speech. I'm not going to hear a motivational word. I'm coming to hear from God. 
here's, there's no difference in this. If I had my cell phone on me, now listen up, listen up, guys. If I had my cell phone on me and it rained and I answered it and it was God the Father. And he said, I want to talk to Will. How do you think Will would take this phone call? I guarantee, I guarantee he wouldn't take it like most of us take this message. It's all, but, but God's not on that phone. Let me tell you something. If what I'm telling you is coming out of this book, it's just like God's on that phone. Because I'm not giving you my opinion. I'm not giving you my theory. I'm giving you exactly what this book says. And you say, preacher, but there's people who call themselves men of God all over the place. I know that. I know that. And they're not all men of God. An old man of God told me one time when I told him I surrendered to preach, I was 17 years old. He looked across the table at me, and I figured he's going to say, well, God bless you. Congratulations. He didn't. He had the most serious look on his face. I'm talking about he had eyes that could pierce the back of your skull. And he looked at me with the most serious look he's ever, I mean, I've ever seen in my life. An old former Navy SEAL. He said, Malcolm, I want you to understand something. Preachers are a dime a dozen, but real men of God are few and far between. Say, so, well, how can I distinguish between somebody who is a fake and somebody that's real? i tell you how. Thus saith the Lord. If whatever he says, you can back it up with this book, he's a man of God. If he comes up with a new idea or a new vision or a new theory or a new word that you can't back up with this Bible, you need to leave him alone. There's nothing new under the sun. It's all right here. And I'm telling you, if he'll get a good breath of fresh air and bring the book. Don't bring me your ideas. Bring the book. Don't bring me your opinions. Bring the book. Don't bring me your theories. Bring the book. I'm telling you, it'll change everything. And if he's telling you what God says, you need to perk up and pay attention just like God himself is talking to you because this is God's mind on paper. This is what God wants you to know. It's not. I, I, I looked up the word sermon. I looked up the word sermon in a dictionary. You know what it says? You know what Webster said? Boring speech. I thought, dear God, don't ever call mine a sermon again. I am preaching a message. Amen. And it is. It really is. You know what God is telling us, church? Let's get back to the book. Let us put our focus back where it needs to be, and that's in the book. The program, the people. But then I want you to see the product, last of all. Three things I saw in this deal that happened when the man of God brought the book and the people of God received it in the right attitude in the right spirit here's the deal guys here's the deal the word of God is a mirror y'all understand that the first thing that took place when they read the book and they explained to them what the book said the Bible says they begin to weep they begin to weep because you know what happened they recognized the first thing that took place when they brought the book is they there was a recognition in other words, they realized how far away from God 
they had really gotten. They realized why they were in captivity to begin with. And when they saw what was written in the book, it broke their heart to see how high God was and how low we were. You know what will happen when we read the book? We'll begin to recognize some things. We'll begin to recognize our situation. We'll begin to recognize our condition. We'll begin to recognize our need. And I'm telling you, the Bible don't lie. How many of y'all know a mirror is honest? How many of y'all know a mirror is not flattering whatsoever? If ugly's in front of it, that's right. It is what it is. It don't, it don't sugarcoat nothing. Am I right? It don't sugarcoat anything. It, mm. How many of y'all have ever been in an airport? How many of y'all ever been in a mall? Y'all realize there's some folks that just don't own a mirror? There's no way they can own a mirror and leave out the house looking like that. Amen? Because a mirror will tell you what's up. Are y'all with me? And See, that's what happens when we look in the Bible. It's not going to sugarcoat anything. The Bible will tell us what's up. You know what? We want people to sugarcoat stuff, don't we? We want people, don't, don't get on my sin. Don't get on where I'm at. Don't get on my attitude. Don't get on my bitterness. Don't get on those things. Don't get on my pet sins. Just tell me I'm okay. Tell me God loves me. Tell me I'm all right. And no, I don't have to. I can't do that. Not when I preach the book. Because there's no sugar in it. It's all true. Sometimes truth hurts, doesn't it? Well, they begin to weep. They begin to weep. And then the Bible says this. The Bible says this. They repented. They recognized where they were and where they had come from, and then they repented. You say, how do you know they repented? Well, there's really two aspects of it. First was remorse. They were broken about it. And then the second was they did something about it. Because as they kept reading, if you'll go and, and, and look, the second day they began to read and they found out some things that God said that they were supposed to be doing that they weren't doing and they began to do it. In other words, they were supposed to make booths like shelters to stay in, to, to reminisce and remind them of where God had brought them from. And they hadn't been doing that for a long, long time. So they said, hey, God's word said build a booth. They began to build booths. You know how to tell when somebody's really repented? They turn around. Listen, you can come and cry at this altar all you want. You can come and weep all you want. You can come and shed every tear that you've got in your eye sockets. But if you turn around and go back and live the same way, you go back and live the same lifestyle, you haven't repented, you've just been remorseful. There's a, there's a man in the Bible, there's a man in the Bible that we call the prodigal son. How many of y'all know the story of the prodigal son? You know the story of the prodigal son? Y'all know, he left his father, thought he, thought he, he, he wanted to live the, the high life, and, and he took everything and went and wasted it on riotous living, wine, women, and song, threw it all away. And I tell you what, if you live for the devil, that's exactly what you'll do. He ended up in a hog pen with nothing. He ended up broke. He ended up homeless. He ended up hungry. And that's the way the devil will leave you. And here he is sitting in this hog pen, a Jewish boy. What, what, what shame and reproach that was. And he is sitting there. And the Bible says he gets so hungry, he would have ate the slop that the hogs was eating. Now that's hungry. If you've ever slopped hogs, you know that's nasty. Say amen. 
And the Bible said he's so hungry. And he, and then the, I, oh, hallelujah. I liked it. He said, and he came to himself. You know what that means? He got an idea. He remembered, what am I doing here? I've got a father at home that his servants have bread enough to spare. And I'm sitting here with hungry. Maybe my father will take me back. Oh, I'm glad for the day that I came to myself. And I realized I didn't have to stay in the condition I'm in. I could go home. And he didn't just sit there and cry. Most of y'all, this is what you do. You realize your condition, and you cry and squall about it, but you don't do nothing different. Well, I tell you what this old boy did. He dropped the trail, jumped the rail, and hit the trail. Say amen. Remorse won't get it done. Repentance will get it done. When you start reading what God says to do and just do it, don't question it, don't argue with him, just do what the book says. I'm telling you, revival will come. Not just remorse, repentance, change, do something about it. Let me see, uh, this is another good illustration about repentance. I was one day, one day we were, I, I was living in South Carolina, and uh, actually it was Georgia then at that time, and, and, and Augusta, Georgia living there, and, and my father and my Uncle Chucky, I think I see Uncle Chucky out there somewhere. Uh, Uncle Chucky, they was right, him and my dad was riding in the truck together, that's when they were still living in Fort Pierce down in Florida. And, and we, me and my wife and a buddy of mine from college, we were, we were going back, and they were following us up and was going to go deer hunting. Well, we got up somewhere in Georgia around Savannah or somewhere up there, and, and, uh, and I'd been following my dad the whole way, you know. And, uh, and I felt, well, we're close enough to where I live. I'll just, I'll just lead the pack. So we pulled over in the, in the Burger King and got us a Whopper and got in there. That was before the diet. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm sorry I'm just reminiscing a little bit. Amen. And we pulled in there and got a hamburger and got out. And I told Dad, I said, hey, I'm going to drive. I'm going to lead the pack. Just follow me now. We're close enough. Just come on with me. And, man, I wasn't even thinking. I was talking with, with Tammy and them, getting on. We got on the interstate. Man, it was boogity, boogity, boogity. We was going on down and going just, just wide open. Here we go. And, man, I see, I see lights coming in the distance. I mean, way in the distance. Flashing lights. And, I mean, just flying. And I'm, I look at Tammy. I said, great. They some, man, there's some fool running up here behind us come up beside us and it was dad and uncle chucky and they said what are you doing i said what are you doing he said you're going south i look i said i am ain't i i went the wrong way i was going back to fort i missed the beach i was going home amen i don't know i had to go get off the exit turn around and go the right way now, if I'd have just cried that I was going south, I'd have ended up in Miami. But I had to repent. I had to turn around. Are y'all with me? You see the difference? Real revival is this. Not that you feel sorry about how you're living. That you change the way you're living. Are y'all with me? See what took place in real revival? First, there was a recognition. Then there was repentance. They began to do what God's word says to do. Then the last thing, there was great rejoicing. The Bible says in verse 17, And all the congregation of them that were come again out of the captivity made booths and sat under the booths. For since the days of Yeshua or Joshua the son of Nun, unto the day that day had not the children of Israel done so. Now read this with me. Read this with me real loud. And there was... Say it again. And there was... One more time, real loud. And there was... Not gladness, not great gladness, but very great gladness. 
Are y'all with me? You know that stuff you've been shooting up in your veins trying to find? You know that stuff you've been going to Budweiser and Michelob and all that other garbage and putting in your, your throat and in your liver trying to find? That's what I'm talking about. You know that, that immoral relationship you run around with a man that ain't your husband or a woman that ain't your wife, you trying to find gladness? It's right there. You say, oh, but there's a thrill. There's a hook in that worm. The devil may be tempting you with that lure, but I'm telling you, you grab a hold of it, and there's a hook in there somewhere. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Amen. There might be pleasure in sin for a season, but the Bible says when it is through, when it is through, and it'll always get through, it'll leave you in the hog pen, and it says it brings forth death. The wages of sin is death. But guess what? If we just bring the book and read the book and apply the book, we will find very great gladness. Isn't that great? I've just saved y'all a ton of money. I've gone to them restaurants. I see how expensive alcohol is. Are you serious? I have, I have made your retirement right here. And everything else that you think that the devil's offering you to find happiness, it's right here. Just do the book. And you will find very great now, how many of y'all could use a little bit more gladness in your life? It's in the book. It's in the book. Amen? Father, thank you for your